I had burned out from my corporate career in 2003 and had walked away. He and I went and lived in the British Virgin Islands, um, came back into corporate after that. And this is the second, this is that job I'm talking about that I had recently left and was at home with the kids. But anyways, so along this way, one of the things that had, that we had discovered was a way of living that would allow you to work and work in a very ambitious way at a very high level, doing things that are creative and hugely impactful and complex and high pressure without giving up your entire life. Because that's why I had burned out. I was this like high up exec. I flew all over the world. I stayed in like first class, you know, hotels and all the things, like all the trappings of success. Welcome to the Innovative Founder, the show where entrepreneurs get real. Real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. Hello, everyone. Hey, 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 founders. Welcome back to the show. Here we are again, each and every week, like clockwork showing up on your device. (laughs) Whether you want, like, whether you like it or not. You're welcome. Mm. Oh, we have a good guest today. The subject is burnout. I've never felt burnout, Brandon. Never. I, no. I never send you oh, Slack no. messages about how I'm burnt out no. and apathetic and right. I never no. do that. Nah. Nah, not you. I mean, no, I, <laughs> my goodness. I mean, you and I have been working together and collaterally for how many years now? Over 10? Um, uh, 11, 12. Well, years? officially, yeah, we're in year seven, but yeah. we've kind of we've been collaborating probably for the last 13 years. 13, yeah. Yeah. And been through our, our respective journeys in this space and trying to figure out this. this uh, it's funny. I think the world try when, when approaching work, the world tries to, to treat us. We, we think we need to be robots. I mean, we show up consistently with this level of energy all the time. And as you and I have learned over the years, different businesses, different environments, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a journey in personal development. It's a journey in spiritual growth. And it's you, the, you can't expect to show up like a robot in every environment and be it the top of the game there's just these ebbs and flows and trying to accept and get used to those is seems to be the growth of an entrepreneur well um, i don't know yeah I, I don't know i'm struck by something as you mentioned that is that there has been this feeling throughout my life as i've tried to integrate myself in institutions that mm-hmm. i was not fit for it mm. um not from the st- like i can i can fit in with the best of them but mm-hmm. internally i'm like it's almost like everyone else is operating on a certain program and i have a rogue programming going on in my head and i'm mm-hmm. looking around going mm-hmm. does anybody else see what's going on here mm-hmm. and completely relate and and so I, I think you said this uh in a round table meeting where you you were like entrepreneurship was the only path that I saw to remain feral. Mm-hmm. And like, that was, maybe that was the most profound thing you've ever said in your life. <laughs> but I think what happened when you said that in that room, Brandon, is like everyone else was giving kind of like really kind of, I'll call them Sunday school answers. Like, yeah. like, okay, this is like, these are the right answers. But you, you said that and everybody stopped and just kind of went like they sat back and they went, Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think we all, not all, I don't know if everybody feels like this, but at least you and I, and, and people that we're close to have this sense of like, we don't necessarily fit and we don't feel comfortable trying to fit into things. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> right. I think you nailed it. I, I I think some of the most stressful times I can think about being in corporate America and in other company environments 
was religious environments religious environments is like why can't i get on board like the rest of these people what is wrong with me why am i not a company man why can't i why am i not consumed with this role that's in front of me like it seems like everyone else is and i didn't realize at the time but that was a superpower now it's, it's not something against you know being focused and going all in and giving your best to a project or whatever but what I resisted was an ideology. It's like, wait a minute. These people are going all in on something that isn't going to work. There was a perspective. They're going in on something and, and their, 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 their efforts are, are not very fruitful. And that's, that was the internal struggle. It's like, oh, maybe I just, I just need to get more on board. I just need to get more on board. I just need to, you know, as Perry Marshall, our good friend and client talks about, you know, when in his Amway years in his 20s, well, I just need to do more presentations. It, it, you start to blame yourself for like, well, yeah. well, maybe I'm here to be, a, maybe I'm not supposed to be, maybe I'm supposed to be undomesticated. Maybe I'm supposed to remain feral. Um, and maybe uh, that's a strength and not a weakness. Maybe instead of me trying to be tamed, I can't be tamed. And my, by my untaming, maybe we can move, progress to a different model, a new model, a better model. Well, well, maybe the truth, Brandon, is, is that we're all wired that way, that mm-hmm. it's it's not a superpower as much as it's the way you're just it's just the way that people are designed, you know, and mm-hmm. and the way that, that doesn't work in a quote unquote normalized society, which is mm-hmm. where you need to be programmed to behave a certain way to, you know, live for the institution. You know, we, we don't want to rock the boat. You know, you want to sit in your rows, you want to color in the lines like that's, you know, I, I think that sense of control, right? It's, it's easier to control somebody when when there's a set of boundaries. And, yeah. you know, this is not a, a call for chaos, but there's 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 a subset of people. And I count you and I in that group where it's like we're just acknowledging the fact that we don't feel comfortable trying to fit into a certain place at a certain time with a certain set of standards. Now we're, we're not rebellious to the point where we're like a distraction, but it's kind of like what we we're questioning, <laughs> like why, <laughs> you know, you know, can we still achieve our end by doing it this way versus the other way? Right. And I think that's why we end up becoming entrepreneurs in the sense of we, we kind of want to self-manage ourselves and mm-hmm. that's not an egotistical thing. I know for some people it is, but for us, it's more like, I don't really want to be told how many vacation days <laughs> I don't right. want to be told what my working hours are. Yeah. Um, I want to be motivated from my own I want to be motivated myself. You know, I want to be motivated by the results. And um, I, I think we had a, a surprising conversation with, with, with Kate Byers today, who mm-hmm. was our guest, who, who really opened up about her story of like playing the corporate card and being displaced and then running away to an Island and then playing the corporate game again and getting displaced and really understanding like, why am I here? What, what is my purpose? And, you know, it took a group of, I think she said like 20 friends beating on her door saying, Kate, this is what you're supposed to do. And, and now she's, she's living that out. Um, I, I, I think, I think part of that, this whole thing is like really just being true to who you are, who, who you intend to be. And for, for many people, they're squashing that down in the name of, conformity or tameness or or an honor or respect of an institution and i just don't think we were designed to operate that way mm-hmm. i think that's i think you nailed it and, and yeah. i think if the evidence is becoming more and more clear the way the world is shifting um the that you know entire as we as we know just in in some of our colleagues that the world is not going back to some of the traditional ways that business was done office buildings and you know and with everything that happened during you know a lockdown everything became remote and now there's realizes wow we didn't need all these structures we didn't need these things and people are actually more happy more productive enjoying their lives more you know 
delivering a better product or service because they're giving the long leash and they're allowed to be who they are. So, well, at the same time, the force, the opposing forces, the institution are doubling down in their efforts, mm -hmm. you know, and you could see that. So that, that really is a signal that, you know, maybe, maybe we're on the right path is that there is a, a defensive offensive posture by those that need the status quo to be maintained, mm -hmm. um, to, mm -hmm. to do so. So, we could go on about this probably Definitely. for another hour, yep. but we really want to introduce our guest to you today. So we, we really want to uh, um, uh, welcome our guest today, Kate Byers of the Good Life Institute. We think you're going to really enjoy her story and the types of things that she shares with us. So enjoy the show, folks. Welcome, welcome, Kate Byers. Great to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Kate, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the show notes and... Clearly, we need to start with this topic is that you like your men like you like your black tea. You like the bitter, unsweetened and dark. Is that true, Kate? <laughs> We're putting you on the spot. I'm I know your husband. I don't know if he's around, but we, we need to know this. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great lead in. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was not sent over in my profile. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at three interesting things about Kate. And one was you like unsweetened black tea. And so I'm, I, I had to go there. Yeah. You know, I appreciate to. it. Is that true? <laughs> do you like unsweetened black tea? I do. And no one does. Everyone's like, you know, if you're oh. in the South, they're like, you know, you got to have some sugar and lemon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you're in the North, it's so weak. It's like, why bother? So yeah. <laughs> was it a, what is it a moving away from coffee or something? Or was that always been something you've loved? No, I've Just never enjoyed okay. coffee and it could be sub-zero weather and I want an iced tea. You know, everyone else is having their oh. cappuccino and their latte and all yeah. this stuff. And yeah. I'm like, iced tea, like that's my thing. So okay. yeah. Well, right. it makes sense. You're in the desert of Mesa, Arizona. So you're probably quite thirsty often. <laughs> True. <laughs> now I am. No, seriously. I used to travel all over the world for, and, mm. you know, I would order like you're, you're in Germany. They don't or at least back when I was traveling, I didn't have iced tea. So it'd be like a pot yeah. of hot tea and mm. several glasses of ice. And I'd be like mixing it together to create this concoction. That's so beloved. That is, beloved. that is commitment. We love that. that. Is. We appreciate that. Well, cool. So Kate, we're looking forward to get to know you a little bit better. Um, we'd love to know what are you excited about right now? What's going on in your personal life or business life that you love to share? That's got you really, really excited right now. Oh, we just, well, business-wise, we just finished some 10-year planning. So I'm super excited about, yeah, the next level of creation. I'm a builder, a creator, like mm -hmm. I'm sure so many founders. So I'm excited about that and watching that unravel from ideation into business plan. So that's really cool. Um, personally, I'm excited about health. I've been on a bit of a, like I'm, I'm 53. So the last Ooh. year or two, I've been like, okay, how do we how do we get into that next level of peak performance for, for this age? So I've been doing a lot of stuff for my health and I'm feeling like it's all come together. So this mm. year I'm really excited to be, you know, hiking and biking and volleyballing and, you know, supping and all the things that I do with, um, yeah. So I'm really excited to use all of the work that I've put in. That's going to be fun. Well, yeah. Bob and I are clearly in our thirties. Um, so sure. I'm really curious to know, um, what are your top three? What are the things that have moved the needle for you health-wise? I'm kind of in the same boat, 53. We all are. We all yeah. are, but you know. All three um, of us are 53 on this call. Oh, so, <laughs> there you go. Wow. Perfect. Okay. So let's compare notes. What's What has been for you, Kate, some of the things that have moved the needle for you health-wise that, that you would recommend for us in our mature, wise time yeah. of our lives? <laughs> mm, you know, I think it started for me with just wanting to do, I've always done strength training, but okay. it was just getting, I felt like it was getting harder. My back was hurting. And like, I was starting, like I was starting mm. to buy furniture that would make me more comfortable instead of mm. like addressing the issue. And I was like, okay, you know, yeah, this is definitely. getting silly. So I started working with, um, like a PT movement specialist on realigning the nervous system. So you get injuries over the years and then your body kind of gets locked that way. And then before you know it, you're walking, but your, your nervous system is still protecting an old energy and in injury. And now your lower back is pain because your hips aren't moving properly. So I really, that would be the first piece, which is like, get your body moving. Like it's supposed to, because at 53, there's been a lot of, you know, bumps and bruises throughout the sure. years. Yeah. Sure. I think the other thing for me was diet. Not that I've, you know, I've been paleo since 2006 before people, you know, even knew what paleo was and all the right. things, but you, you just start to cut 
corners and there were you know, hormone shifts happen as you age. And I wasn't yeah. eating for my age. So I was still eating. Mm. Like I was in my thirties and going, why isn't this working anymore? Why do I have the extra five pounds or whatever? So I went to someone who really specializes in eating for um, inflammation, hormones, gut repair, like really making sure that my gut is in great shape. And it doesn't sound sexy. Like none of the stuff is really fun, sure. but, um, but now I have like so much energy. If you want me to like, you know, jump down on the floor, pick up the couch. I'm like, I got it. Like all nice. of the furniture I bought has been sold. It's like, I, I now actually feel like I'm in my thirties. So I'm I excited about that. It's That's good. great. I'm right there with you on the uh, eating for your age and fixing the body chemistry and the gut. I'm in the process of going through that right now as well. So yeah, so you I know. Think we all, yeah, yeah, it's not I know. Easy, but it's worth it. It's totally no, it's not. We we were talking yesterday about like, hey, how did you ring in the new year? Well, I didn't have a cocktail for the first time in probably twenty years, right? right? Yeah, I I had a club I had a club soda with lime. That's yeah. as as strong as I had for for yeah. New Year's Eve. So yeah. yeah, but yeah, we were saying the the results are worth it. You know, when you start to feel better, it's like okay, you know that that does make a shift, and we all have a wake up call at some point you know, for, for most of us, like we kind of hit 40 when you hit 50, those miles, like, wait a minute, I don't feel the same. I'm not doing the same. And you could either choose to continue to go down that path or make a different choice. So we just applaud you. Um, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are like us where we're like, we're going to take charge of things and we're, we're going to make different choices. So we're really, really glad to be in your company because you're, you're clearly among friends here. So That's great. I'd uh, love to dig in your past a little bit. Kind of tell us a little bit about you growing up. Um, you're, you're obviously an entrepreneur. Was that kind of your earliest path or did you take a kind of a different path to becoming an entrepreneur? No, quite the opposite. <laughs> in fact, I don't think today I even consider myself an entrepreneur, which is funny. Interesting. I struggled with that word for a really long time as I became an entrepreneur. So my background is corporate America. So I'm 25 yep. year corporate meter, uh, marketing veteran, corporate executive. Like I remember my mom, I grew up in the seventies going, Kate, you can be the CEO of IBM someday. Right. Cause that was a wow. big deal for a woman. Like, and I just remember like, oh, I'm supposed to be the CEO of a corporation. Like that just was planted in my mind that mm-hmm. you go to school, you get good grades, you go to college, you know, and you go work for some corporation and women can do anything now. Like that was kind of a big theme, I guess, to my childhood. So it never occurred to me that I could like be a ballet dancer or a river rafter or start Hmm. your own company. Like that just wasn't even in my viewpoint, but from an early age, like age 11, I always loved creating business or I always loved working. And I love that byproduct of like, how do I figure out this problem? So when I was 11 years old, I had a little magazine route. This was like before they had a working age, you know, where you can like 11 year olds, <laughs> like, put right, them to work. right, right, right. You there. <laughs> Yeah. And my mom would drive me around and I would deliver like time magazine, you know, I'd have to wrap it in a little wrapper or whatever it was. And you drop it on everyone's porch. And the reason was I wanted the freedom to be able to go out and buy Gloria Vanderbilt jeans. Cause my father said, Nope, Sears jeans is all you get. And I was like, but I want the Gloria Vanderbilt. Yeah. Now we're dating ourselves. Gloria Vanderbilt. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I was a teen. That was, that was something to attain to. Yeah. yeah, it was a big deal. So I was like, oh, great. All I have to do is go do this thing. And in exchange, I'm going to get this money. And now I can go have the freedom to do what I want. I, I can do that. That sounds more fun than watching Scooby-Doo in the afternoons or whatever we did, you know? So that's how I got my start working. So I worked from age 11, you know, up until now, really. So, but it was always on that track of you're going to go into corporate. So when I graduated college, that's what I did. I went into corporate and I was in corporate for yeah, 20 plus years. Um, and then I had, um, twice I was displaced in corporate by, I worked for companies that were family owned businesses. Mm. One was a billion dollar corporation. So one was really large and I was displaced by family members who grew up and then took over. And I was like, Hmm. Mm. And then that happened to me again. And along the way, I started going like, you know, these people are like sitting down with notebooks at the kitchen table and they're writing out these business plans and they're coming up with entire companies. I wonder if I could do that. And then you just kind of, I just put it aside. I was like, I don't have time for that. I was like getting married, having kids, just doing stuff. Yeah. It just kept percolating. And then finally there was like this opportunity, like the universe pushed me into it and it was like, all right, I'm going to go for it. 
Nice. So, so what was it? Tell us about that moment. So that, what, what idea that were you, was it something you kind of put on, on, on the shelf? And then finally there was, was there a moment like, oh, this thing is getting crystallized? Was it when, when you say displaced by a family member, I, I think of like Tommy Boy, the movie, you know, yeah. where, you know, Tommy Boy comes in, he's an absolute idiot, but you know, <laughs> now he's got some office, you know, and some right. title and he's playing with the fan, you know, and it's like enough is enough. Was there, was there something, was there some moment there that was, that pushed you into it? Um, yeah, I think part of it, you know, the displacement piece was more of, it, it wasn't like, I was like, okay, now I'm mad about this. Like, I got yeah. it. I was like, this is your company. You own it. This is how you yeah. want to run it. Like, yeah. okay, cool. Right. Like that just is the way it goes. I think for me, it was like a perfect storm. It was several things. One is we lived in a small town, uh, my mm -hmm. husband, kids and I in Florida at the time when the second sort of th this other job sort of went away. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was like, my kids are really little. I was like, I just want to stay home for a couple of years and really just be in like the mud and the Legos and the Play-Doh and the whole thing with them. So I'm doing that, but the whole time, like, I don't sit still very well, you know, um, like if you get that founder's itch or, you know, I don't know what it is. It's just like, I'm yeah, yeah I got to like be doing, creating, building, doing something. So my husband said, you're having fun at home with the kids. I want to tag in, you tag out. <laughs> He's like, this looks like fun. I want to be hands-on with the boys and we mm -hmm. homeschool our kids. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, but that's a lot of change for a couple of kids, right? Like now dad's coming home, mom's leaving. And because we live in the small town, if it's a corporate marketer, there just wasn't any options for me. So we would have had to move back to a larger city. And I was like too much disruption. And I thought, let me see if I can do this. Like, let me see if I can start something. So of course, what everyone does is like, you become a consultant because that's what you know, right? So I'm yeah. consulting and I'm like, this sucks. Marketing consulting is like, you guys know this, right? It's your yeah. big too. Like nobody listens to what you say, you know, that you, you're, they're like, I don't like the color of the logo. And you're like, oh my oh, God. No. Oh my God. Right. You, you have just nailed. The, I was a graphic designer, traditionally trained right. and, and everything comes down to, he goes home, he shows his wife or shows her husband and yeah. it's like, well, and they certainly turn into a creative and they have an yes. opinion. They're inner creative that they never, you know, ex got to exercise when they were in grade school or ever comes out oh well this blue is a little too baby blue yeah. we need something darker to communicate trust and yeah yeah i was <laughs> always subject to well i don't like blue yeah <laughs> mine was yeah. black nobody ever liked black, black. i was like I seriously like it's black like it's oh, okay. it's a neutral <laughs> we can do black and i used to tell my clients i was like i don't care how, if you like it i want you to care what it will do for you and I, you know Love but that. it's like so i just got tired of like i was like so it's at that point where I was like, well, I'm, you know how it is. You're running around chasing clients and then you're serving the clients and then you're chasing the clients and then you're serving the clients. And I was like, this is just BS. Like, this is not fun. And so I was like, well, am I going to build into a strategic agency and hire more people? And I was like, I don't want to market for other people. I want to market for myself. Like this just mm. blows, like, this is not great, but I didn't <laughs> know what it would be. Well, along the way, my husband and I uh, backing the story up a little bit, we had, I had burned out from my corporate career in 2003 and had walked away. He and I went and lived in the British Virgin islands, wow. um, came back into corporate after that. And this is the second, this is that job I'm talking about that I had recently left and was at home with the kids. But anyways, so along this way, one of the things that had, that we had discovered was a way of living that would allow you to work and work in a very ambitious way at a very high level, doing things that are creative and hugely impactful and complex and high pressure without giving up your entire life. Because that's why I had burned out. I was this like high up exec. I flew all over the world. I stayed in like first class, you know, hotels and all the things, like all the trappings of success. But every day was just like groundhog day. It was just like, oh my God, like yeah. how do I keep this up? Mm. And so we had, my husband's a philosopher and he said, look, what's, what's really the essence of what, why are we here? And what are we doing here? And what's human well-being? So he's on that track. And I'm like, Ooh, you give me an idea and I will operationalize that thing. Like nobody's business. Oh, I love it. I love so it. he had created this sort of way we were living. So what had happened is people were starting to come over to our house and like, you know, the one friend that stayed for barbecue on a Saturday night turned into 15 friends, 20 friends, 30 friends. They were like, you guys are so happy, but you've got little kids and Kate's got this huge job and Scott's got a job. And like, how are you, how are you guys doing it? You have it all was the thing. Mm. 
So he and I tried to do a podcast and he's like, he's like, well, first well, let's talk about hedonic adaptation. And I'm like, <laughs> what? what? I'm like, what? nobody I gets beg your that. Pardon? And he's like, no, all the philosophy wonks get it. And I'm like, yeah, but you can't, you know? And so I'm over here with my, my business brain and he's over here in his philosophy, right? And we're like arguing and like, nobody can get this podcast off the ground. And we're just like yelling at each other. And it was just like total chaos, I love it. right? Yeah. So we're like, okay, like screw that. Chicago radio show. It sounds good. Yeah. Well, like we'll write a book someday when we're retired. Like, let's just get back to the business of like, you know, raising our kids and working and all the things. So our house starts to fill up. People are coming over. I then leave home with the kids. Then I'm like, okay, now I'm a, a consultant out marketing and I'm trying to draw attention to myself as like this fractional, you know, CMO or whatever. And I'm like, I'm just going to write an, some articles on LinkedIn because people buy, you know, who you are, not what you do. Right. So mm -hmm. I'm writing these articles on LinkedIn and I'd written all of these marketing articles, like zero likes, like zero shares. Right. And then I write this article about my experience of burning out and going to live on the islands and how that worked for me and how it didn't work for me. And it was like the shot let like went around the world, like a million people. Like I think the, it's still on LinkedIn. There's like 5,000 comments and like a million people shared it. And it was wow. just like chaos. Right. Wow. And I'm like, gosh, that feels really good. And I had this friend of mine, Kelly Riggs, and he's like, Kate, you know, these people want to do business with you. They want you to teach them how you did this. And I'm like, yeah, we tried that. We tried this podcast thing. It's not going to work. And he's like, no, you need to figure this out. Like you have like mm. customers knocking on the door and you're not like, you're not serving the coffee, like figure out what flavor you're serving and get or out the there. Tea. The tea, the tea, the tea, the tea. Thank you. You're not yeah, serving the tea. Yeah. Yeah. It's too weak. The tea's too weak. Be yeah, dark. For sure. For yeah. sure. So, okay. so that was the beginning of what is now the Good Life Institute. It was really sort of that perfect storm of me going, hmm, I keep getting displaced by these people. I'm tired of getting displaced. I want to have my own company, but do I want to have my own company? Yeah. Ugh, can I do this? And all of the fears and things. And then I just sort of like, all of a sudden I had customers and I had no business. So I had to figure out what the business was going to be pretty quick. Mm. Cool. Well, let's put a pin in that. Let's, let's just take it back. Love so that. you. So when you moved to the Virgin Islands, had uh, did you your husband and uh, you have kids yet? No, mm -mm. Okay. We, had, we had just like met, like we had just met. It was like okay, yeah. So so this was burnout. This was was this the this was the first gig, right? That yep. you said, okay, we're we're gonna we're just gonna live the island life. Tell us yep. a little bit about that. We don't have to get in a lot of detail, but like, you know what you know, obviously we know what led you there kind of, what was that like for you and how long did you stay there? And what was your process and go on time to get off the Island? Okay. So if anyone's ever been to an Island, visited an Island, lived on an Island, you know, there's almost always chickens. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Chickens are yes. really chickens. noisy. Yeah. Yep. And they said there was only one thing noisier on this Island other than the chickens. And it was Kate howling in tears <gasps> every night. <gasps> wow. Oh my gosh. So here's how it went for everyone out there. Good God, it sounds Kate. so this, romantic. But this sounds like the dream. Everyone wants to do this. Everyone wants to dream of Kate howling. No, no, no. <laughs> Going to the Virgin Island. Oh. Yes, not her All howling. Right. Sorry. Yeah. No, what happened was, you know, when you when you burn out, what happens is you, you start to have apathy for everything in your life that you once mm. cared about. I don't care about this job. I don't care if they fire me. I don't care about aren't you just okay psychologically, you're just letting go because your body biologically can no longer keep up with what you've been putting it through. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I sold everything. Like I sold the farm, like it was yeah. all the house, the cars, the furniture, like I burned it to the ground. And I was like, obviously if I've worked this hard since age 11 to age at that point, I don't know, 33, 35. And I'm this unhappy, I'm doing something wrong. I missed the boat. I should have done the simple route. Like, let's mm. just be bombs and die, you know, dive bombs and just like dive right. bomb around the world. Right. Right. Cause that's yeah. kind of what the traditional theory is, you know, or you could be an entrepreneur because that's so easy. Right. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I know you're enjoying this conversation with our guest today, Kate Byers. She is part of the organization called the Good Life Institute. Uh, you can find that at thegoodlifeinstitute.com. Uh, you should be inspired by our story. I know I am in regards to burnout and the signs of burnout and 
how to not just live a balanced life, but live a life that is very enriching, where you get to work hard, you get to play hard, you get to live life on your own terms while still being productive and, and a good citizen. And I think um, there's uh, several resources available on this site, including a masterclass that's going to give you a really great overview of what the Institute's all about and how they might be able to help you. So head over to thegoodlifeinstitute.com and check it out. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. No, you live on the beach and start a start a, a, a poke shop or a, a surf rent rent surfboards, right? That's what yeah. you do. Exactly. Yep. And yep. as everyone, everyone out there who's doing that is just laughing out loud right now. Okay. Yeah. So I get invited by some friends to come down to this island and help them out running their dive shop as a dive yeah. instructor. There you go. I'm like, nice escape let's go run down there and for the first six weeks like literally my biggest decision was like what color bathing suit to wear i was like i have figured out the secret of life this is so (laughs) stress-free red green blue pink i don't care grab a color that was all i had to think about and other than that you're around these happy people they're on vacation you're like helping them get in the water to go diving you're like how hard can this be yeah well Six weeks after that reality set in and I was sort of an assistant on the boat and the helper and the girl who like passed out like the sodas at the end of the dive or whatever. Now they're like, great, here's the keys to the boat, take them around, don't get them lost. And bye, we'll be back. You know, like, like here you go, here's the whole thing. And then like my husband's come, my boyfriend, so I'm Scott comes down and it all of a sudden just hit me like, oh my God, I just gave up everything I knew that I was good at where I slayed and I was awesome. And now I'm going to kill someone underwater, crash this boat. <laughs> this is not fun. Like, it wasn't like I was laying in the islands eating bonbons while, no. you know, Richard Branson invited me to Necker or something. Like I was <laughs> down there trying not to kill people and myself. And I, was you, like, you basically, you basically got a lower paying job. Oh yeah. And I was making like, I think I made like $7 an hour and I got a raise to like $9 an hour, like literally, <laughs> yeah. like literally. And I had been, you know, vice president of all of international marketing, like three weeks earlier or something wow, <laughs> for a billion dollar corporation traveling all over the world. And now I couldn't rub two coins together. It's like, oh. so I cried a lot. The first four to five months, I cried a lot. A lot of it was fear, fear of failure, fear of what mm. I'd given up, fear of, can I go back? Um, and then towards the end of it, like the last six months I was there, I really enjoyed it. Like then it was like, cause I kind of okay. got my feet under me. I didn't kill anyone. Thank God. I lost some people, but we found them. So that was good. <laughs> <laughs> so you went through withdrawal. That's what it, it was. was. With, it was withdrawal. Yeah. You went through withdrawal. Yeah. It was huge. It was huge. Interesting. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. And then we went and then we moved to Florida after that. So after that, it was like, cause prior to that, we had started cave diving. And so the BVI is gorgeous, but there's no caves there to dive in. And then we yeah. went to Florida. So we cave dive as well as continue to be dive bombs for a little bit longer. Cool. So did, I mean, did you end up, so yeah, I, I think Brent is right. It was definitely a, a burnout. It was withdrawal, but then you kind of got your footing that did that, did that kind of recharge you? And then did you start to dream about, Hey, I'm, I'm okay doing this, but I really want to be in this other place. Not right away. It took me four years to recover from the burnout. Like for me, wow. when we went back to the States, cause then my husband was like, okay, let's get married. And, you know, he wanted to, he really wanted to go all in on the diving. Like he wanted to do cave exploration and he wanted okay. to train and he was already a, an advanced or technical dive instructor. And I'm like, yeah, I don't like, I like this, but you know, I don't want to do all that. And so he's like, I need to go do this now while I'm in my thirties. Cause I can't be doing this one in my seventies. So he was chasing his dream. So it made sense that I would go back to work in corporate and do what I did. And I literally couldn't go near my computer. Like I would go near it and just like, almost just start Ooh, wow. like shaking. Like, a, like it was like, like I have such kind of anxiety over wow. the lack of freedom. I felt like that represented. It was like, now I'm going to have to give up all my time, all my hours. Like I knew what I had put into that for 20 years or 15 years prior. Um, so it took me a long time to figure that out. And then finally I stopped feeling sorry for myself <laughs> and said, okay, Kate, like, you're a smart person, figure this out. Why do you have to sacrifice this much? Like, Mm. why does it have? And if you look at someone maybe like a Richard Branson, like 
this is not an individual who has just like sacrificed his entire life and he's just working 9,000 hours a week and he hates his life. This is a guy who's like parted his way through making all these companies. And I was like, every now and then I would see someone like that and I'd be like, okay, what are they doing different? Yeah. And how can that happen for me and other, especially women like me? Because a lot of women that I was meeting were having similar situations. Like I met an attorney, a female attorney her boyfriend was also cave diving, brought her along for the ride. And she mm. was going through a lot of the same things I was going through. And I'm like, okay. And our, our partners, the guys, not that guys don't have workaholism and burnout. They do, but they were kind of like, aren't you guys making a lot? Like just go to work and come home. And I was like, oh, you don't understand. It's not that easy. You know, I was like, I can't do that. Okay. Um, but you can, you actually can. And that's what we teach people how to do today. So interesting. Well, thanks. Thanks for taking that detour. I mean, that's yeah. You know, I, I think one of the things that we do is we always are like, okay, so there's always something in the future or you want to trade your life. It's like a movie script, right? Like, oh, if I could just do that, I would be happy. And you're you're kind of saying, well, yeah, you can get there, but you got to go through a little bit of pain first. Yeah. But but ultimately, you, I, it's, it sounds like you you had to honor who you really were. Yeah. Right. And you, you can't, you kind of, you know, went to grips with that. So you, you went back to your second corporate job, got displaced. Uh, we'd love to kind of jump into what you do now and really kind of dig into some of those things. So, you know, when you made that second, when that second displacement happened, um, you know, you, you, okay, you, you started consulting for a while, but talk about how you shifted from something that you're like, I don't want to do this into what kind of in, in, into what you're doing now. Sure. No, thanks. So part of what had happened for that when I went back into corporate after the burnout was what I was doing is using that as a, like a research sort of area for like, because the company I went to work for, it was butts and seats. Like you're here at eight 30, you stay at least until five, you know, oh. you have a cell phone, you're attached. Like, this is what has to happen for you to succeed in this company. And I was like, mm you know, does that really what has to happen? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but now I had a little bit of different chutzpah because I knew where I had been and I wasn't going to go back to that. But I also wanted a job that was challenging and, you know, award, I could do award-winning work. I could do things with people who, you know, operated a very high caliber. So that was my litmus test. And so meanwhile, um, as I said, you know, Scott has sort of figured out this philosophy of well-being. And what we realize is that culturally we're taught these things. Like, look at all the yeah. memes and you see these things. Like, you know, if you're not suffering for your success, you don't deserve it. And it's like, work mm. hard and someday you'll be a success. And that's just bullshit. Like yeah. how many people out there have worked really, really hard at acting and they're not Brad Pitt, right? You know, yeah. If you work harder than them, like, come on, do you know what I'm saying? And I'm not yep, saying, yep, I don't yep, take yep. anything away from Brad Pitt, like, or whoever, you know, random right. example, but and it was like, that is broken. That is broken in our culture. So we stopped behaving that way as a couple, as a family, as individuals. And we started working in a way that served our human biological needs. And all of a sudden we were getting work done more effectively. Our minds were clear. We were creating very quickly. We were problem solving very efficiently. And it was like, oh, wow. I wish someone had taught me this like 25 years ago. So what happened with that article I wrote, it was this whole piece about how I burn out and went to live on an island and came back from that. And that you don't have to trade off between an incredible job and an incredible career and, a, and, and wealth, if that's, you know, a piece of success and also enjoying family and health or other, you know, golf or whatever it is that's important to you. Right. Golf. Very important to me. Golf. I don't know. <laughs> hobbies. So all of these things. And so when the comp, so the article sort of started the company and I found myself like blogging and I was just like, okay, I've been a content marketing. I'm like, no, I'm not going to become a blogger. Like that's just, that's the opposite direction because blogging takes a lot of time and energy. And, you know, Eva, and I was like, that's not what I want to do. So my friend who said, Kate, go open your doors. He introduced me to um, a guy online who had a business model where he taught you how to sort of, you know, create an online business. And I was like, oh, that's great. Cause I've never done that. I've always done brick and mortar and I've done manufacturing and products and branding and content marketing, but I had no idea how to do paid ads or how to utilize Facebook for marketing or any of that. So I bought into that model and I was like, this is it. I am mm -hmm. the gift to this guy's clientele. I'm smarter than everybody. I'm okay. going to come in here and in his eight week program, I am going to be like the star student and make more money than anybody. 
This was in 2016. <laughs> knew I'd found it. This was it. I was going to get this company going. And I graduated that eight week program with zero. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Flying colors. Woohoo! Zero clients and a very large bottle of wine on the couch. So that was <laughs> So that was my introduction to being an entrepreneur. And I was like, okay, this is hard. Um, yeah. And it's, then I realized it's a lot easier to market someone else's business and not yourself. So mm. it took me a while to dial in like who is really my target? Because I think when you have something that you can help someone with, you can help a lot of different people, but you got You have to niche, right? Like you have to start somewhere with an audience. And it took me a while to sort of ruminate on who's your audience, Kate? Like who, who right. can you begin helping while well, you can help the world work better? Where do you need to begin? And who's that audience? And then it sort of dawned on me. Oh, it was me. <laughs> I am my audience. <laughs> Why don't I go help executive women yes. who are burning out? And yes. once I did that, I was able to tell an authentic story and I was able to tell my origin story and, you know, all of the pieces of me falling down at work and how I burned out, but then also how I rose back from that. And women were like, yes, sign me up. How do I do this? Because, you know, I'm dying here, but I don't want to give up my career. It's like, I've worked really hard for this and it provides yeah. my family great opportunities. And so what we do today, so at the Good Life Institute is we're um, focused mostly on women, but we also work with men in a separate program. Uh, we help them retain their careers so that without burnout, without the trade-off, they can be great moms or great lovers or great golfers or whatever it is that yeah. they want to do. Yeah. Um, even though it feels like, you know, they're working in these 24 hour, you know, all, all in, you've got to always give up everything. You really don't. You really don't. I so appreciate um, your perspective because I, I think, you know, we've had guests on here before and Bob and I have had conversations about this just in different um, colleagues, but this shift around, um, I mean, I like to call it productivity porn or entrepreneur porn and the hustle grind yeah. narrative that we're so, and again, it's, it's a delicate balance because it's, we're not saying you don't have to have a great work ethic. We're not saying you get to be lazy. We're not, we're, we're so afraid, God, in the United States, we're so freaking afraid of giving ourselves a little bit of slack. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're so afraid of the lazy word, right? Or the, we're so freaking shame-based around our work. Yeah. And I, you know, entrepreneur and entrepreneurs play with that. You know, there are some that, you know, that Gary Vaynerchuk's of the hustle and grind and the 12 hours and, you know, always, always, always going, going, going. And then there's another spectrum of, hey, I want to work four hours a week and, you know, it's, and I, I want to leverage something so I can go and I can dive and I can do other things I'm interested in. And there, so you've got this spectrum, but I haven't heard it in the corporate world. I spent some time in corporate but the corporate world is, is a lot of like you describe it. It's how many hours can you be there physically, even though it's been proven that what that you can maximum three to four hours a day of output from a human is what you're going to get in quality work. Okay. So I like that you clearly touched on a nerve when you sent out your article on LinkedIn. Um, my gosh, how many hands were raised? You know, it's, <laughs> it's funny. You were sending these other articles that nobody was paying attention to. And then the one thing and my gosh, there they were. They all raised their hand. You racked the shotgun, as we like to say, and you got the attention. So, so have I guess with 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 that rambling, are are is corporate America more open to this idea? And it's, I think the answer is yes. Of hmm, maybe we don't have to lock people down from eight thirty to five and make sure they don't leave the office. And maybe if we do get them, let them work at home a little more, or gives them some more flexibility, or not micro monitoring them we get a better product or service. Is, is that what I'm hearing? Is that what you're finding to be true? I think the concept and, and, you know, now our company we work with, you know, we work with surgeons, we work with doctors, nurses, we work with attorneys who are, you know, trading time for dollars. Like that's yeah. how you bill, you sure. know? Yep. So I think the concept is there in a lot of corporate American companies, and it depends on a company culture. You know, it, it definitely depends, but what's happened is, and this is what happens in large institutions, especially is when we, we're waiting for the institution to give us permission to do something. And so mm -hmm. what we're teaching our clients is saying, look, you are powerful in your own right, whether you're a mid-level manager or, you know, an executive or a surgeon who literally surgeons, like there's a hospital administration that is 
owning their schedule, they have no voice in that. Like they don't have people who work for them. Do you know what I'm saying? And I was like, but you do have a voice to influence. And so what we're really teaching people to do is understand their value, how creating boundaries actually elevates your value to people around you and how to really voice and influence. It doesn't mean you're going to win every argument or you're going to always, you know, be able to negotiate positively on your half. But when you start becoming more influential in work, that's a big piece of creating what you want, even if everyone else around you is working like mad, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a big piece of what we do, but I don't know if corporations have quite got there. I think it's, it's really more in that platitude or that, you know, they're speaking to it. It's like, Hey, you know, um, work out whatever you want. But then what happens is, is when the CEO was there all night long, or, you know, the CEO or the, whoever is responding to an email on Saturday morning, because of these, 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 you know, it's being communicated, which is like, oh, you don't have to, but obviously the important people do work all the time and you won't be an important person unless you do too. And we have other clients who literally have been invited into the C-suite and they're like, you, you do realize that your family time is going to go away. Like they're actually told, like, this is our expectation of you. And I'm like, yeah, you know, why don't we challenge that? <laughs> and so we're helping them challenge the establishment and say, you know, that's a conversation with that CEO to say, look, um, I appreciate what you're saying. And I appreciate what you're asking me to do. I'm not going to sit here and work nine to five and just be like, see ya at five o'clock every day. But if I don't really need to be in a meeting, I'm not going to be there. And I will be at home with my children or whatever I want to do. And when you can establish your value and people are like, well, but I want you and your value. Well, then that's what we're going to talk about is my value and what I do for you. Not how many hours I sit in my office. That's a different conversation and companies aren't inviting that, nor do they know what to do with it. Because the fear is if we're not controlling everyone and the hours and what everyone's doing, it's going to be madness and nobody's ever going to have output. Right, right, right. But empowering somebody to have that conversation where the ultimate thing that a corporate or any institution wants is productivity and value and and teaching them a way to navigate that in such a way where they remain productive and they remain valuable, but also being able to provide the things that they want to do and, and and live the life they want to while also serving the company in in the most efficient way possible. I love, I really love that. Exactly. Yeah. Were, you, were you surprised, Kate, when, um, because this is, this is something that I think fascinates a lot of people that are, are entrepreneurs, especially those that work with clients, that the clients they attract literally are mirrors of themselves. Like, did that surprise you that like, oh, I've got to find somebody to serve when in fact the, the person you needed to serve was people that are just like you? Yeah, it did. It did in the beginning, especially when you want to you know, so many of us, like our, our company is profit for purpose. Like we do want to change the world. We do want to have an impact. We do want to help people. And so you, for me, it was feeling guilty that I'm not helping a different population. Right. And so you're like, I want to help everybody. But when yeah. you try to help everyone, then what is it like, you know, master of none or something? I don't know. Whatever that saying is like, you know, nobody really gets, are you talking to me? Or are you not talking to me? Mm. So it took a while and I, it was actually an article that came across my computer one day that woke me up to that. There was a, um, a CEO for Pepsi North America, Brenda Barnes, who had stepped down from her career as CEO of Pepsi in 20, 1997, when I was like stepping into a more serious part of my corporate career. And it was a big deal, like a woman CEO, she stepped yeah. away to be with her kids. That was like heresy back then. You know, it's like witch hunt, this woman you're supposed to represent. And she passed away in the spring of 2017. And when I saw that Brenda Barnes had passed, I was like, oh my God, that's it. Like, like that's who I need to help. Like the Brenda Barnes of the world, the women who, you know, are, are doing that and feeling like they have to step away in order to be the CEO. So, and again, we don't work with just CEOs. We work with women who are directors or, you know, senior managers or incredible salespeople. We work with real estate brokers. Like we work with people, we work with women who care a lot about their career and want to have a great career. And so that's kind of how we've expanded beyond just, you know, corporate Kate, I guess. Yeah. And, but it's encouraging um, because so many people struggle with the question that you did, which is who do I serve? Right. And one of the values that Brandon and I have and working with our clients is we, we have them tell their story on camera Mm -hmm. and so 
you know, oftentimes that's a, that's a space where the, the person's reluctant to do that because it's, oh, it's too personal. Uh, why would they want to hear my story? When in fact, that is the very thing that is the most attractive thing about you is your story. And, you know, you're another example in, in the hundreds of examples that we've come across where you literally find your true calling, you find your audience, you find your voice when you just tell your story and other people are drawn to that. And um, that's it, it's just really encouraging for people to like, hey, look, if you're struggling mm -hmm. to figure out who's my who, who's my audience, who can I serve? It's look you. within yourself, look within <laughs> your own story. Look, look, what, <laughs> look what life has provided you. Go back and look at your story and you'd be amazed that, oh my goodness, like it's it's been right here all along. And you needed what, 20, 30 friends over at your house beating at your door going, Kate, Kate, please, yeah. please help us. Please help us. Yeah. You know, so thanks for being transparent with that because that that is just a common struggle for folks um, who are who are venturing out and trying to serve. So thank you for that. Yeah, that's a great point, Bob, because whether you come up with a widget or a service or whatever it is, you came up with that to solve a problem that you were having typically, yeah. right? Yeah. You're not just like, let me, I mean, sometimes you do, you just go out there and research and go like, I want to start a company. What are some great markets to get into? But a lot of times companies are founded by someone who had a problem, solve for it. And now they're trying to help other people to solve for it. So you are your own, you're the best place to start. And it doesn't mean you can't expand from there. I think that's the other thing people are scared about. Like a lot of people say like, oh, are you a company about empowering women and all about women? And I'm like, <clears throat> no, right now I am, you know, but this yeah. is where we've started yeah. to create that brand and to get that traction and to have a wonderful output of results. But like I said, now we're starting to work with men and now we're starting to work with other populations. We're working with people in relationships We're working with people on health. And so we've expanded out beyond just that original concept. Um, but you gotta, you gotta be known for something I think first. And so that's a great, great point. Hey everyone. I hope you're enjoying today's show. I'm really, really enjoying hearing about Kate's journey. And I wanted to bring something up that is so, so important is you remember when Kate is, she'll talk about how on LinkedIn, she was sharing uh, some articles and things she'd written, but it wasn't until she show, shared an article about how she was reaching a point of burnout and decided to make a major life shift, shift that the article itself went and was read by millions and shared and shared over and over again. It was that story, that common underlying story that no one was, that only Kate was was willing to admit at the time that attracted so much attention and resonated with the people that she can now help. And she launched the business because of that one story. So I wanna encourage you, depending on the type of your business you're in, the story you have to tell, the reason why it's important is that people see themselves in it. So if that sounds like something that you want help with, something that you can use and you can leverage to launch your business or or amplify your business, go to feedstories.com, book some time with Bob and I, and let's find that story and let's use it to help other people. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. When did you start the Good Life Institute? 2017. 2017. Can you tell us, you know, in the evolution of that business, can you tell us a story about someone you've helped that really kind of anchored and validated that, oh, this was the right thing? Oh. Like for you personally, like it, this is like after everything you've been through and everything you've done and all the, the struggle and the wailing on an island, you know, and, and the, the tea, which I'm still yeah. trying to resolve, we'll get there. Um, what, uh, what was there a story of someone you've helped? Maybe it was someone just like you that uh that just said wow i am doing the work i'm supposed to being this this is the right path right now i i mean we've worked with close to 1500 women and i feel wow. like i feel like everyone's story matters to me because it, they're all unique but it's all the same which okay. is i'm i'm in this place of suffering and and I think something that's unique about the population we work with is because they are so hyper successful. It's like, nobody wants to hear it. Like nobody mm -hmm. wanted to hear Kate complain, you know, it's like, Kate, come on. You'll How dare you complain? You right. make all this yeah. money. Yeah. yeah. You, you should be you grateful. Got... You're flying first class on an airplane and staying in right. the Dorchester and you're bitching. Like, come on. <laughs> you got a great spouse. You know, you got the yeah. two and a half kids. You've got yeah. the three car garage. Right. How dare you complain? Right. Mm -hmm. You've got all the things and it's like, so uh, there is... I think the stories that stand out for me, of course, the most, and I didn't anticipate this as much is 
how many women we talked to who um, had written suicide notes the morning of that oh phone my. call that they had with our company. And so, oh my goodness, you know, mental health is thank God being brought to the forefront now in our culture, but you know, burnout is what happens with burnout is that is the beginning of moving into depression. And once you're in a state of depression, that's where things like ending your life look like the only answer. And so if you can imagine what happens when you've been told since you were very young, go to work, go to school, get good grades, get a good job, become a doctor, become a lawyer, become an yeah. executive, become, you know, and you will be happy. You will be successful and you do all those things and you are not happy. You're miserable. What happens to you biologically and psychologically, it says, then the problem is you and you're mm. the problem because yeah. you did everything right. And everyone yes. else who did those things, they all have their facade on going, yep. yeah, I'm happy. Yep. I'm happy. Right. Yeah. And so what happens is you internalize it and go, I'm the problem. So I just need to not be mm -hmm. here anymore. And What's I think wrong with me? we don't always know that when we're on the call, but afterwards as clients begin to work with us and they go, oh my God you know, this is how close I got. And we hear the, like, that's a moment for our team to just stop and go, this is, this, this is worth getting out of bed in the morning for every wow. single day. Right. But it's that? also like that ripple effect. I love the domino effect because there's also a mom who is no longer telling her children she's too busy to talk to them and they no longer have to feel shame and they no longer have to feel humiliated because mommy was too busy to hug them or talk to them or play with them. Like there's this amazing domino effect um, that comes from just helping one single person. So that to me is what gives me goosebumps, I think. Mm. Well, wow. yeah, that that's powerful. I guess it it's a lesson to really kind of sit back and think about the impact that what you do has on the world, you know, and, and the ripple effect out. Yeah. That's, it's really powerful. And, you know, even that, you know, Brandon's Brandon was kind of say, Hey, how do you, it sounds like you get validation every day <laughs> that you, yeah. that you're doing the right thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we do. And we goodness. have tough you're months and tough lives. quarters and yeah. And we have all the things sure. it's a business still, right. We have months sure. where we're like, Oh my gosh, you know, and we have things that go wrong and things that we don't want to happen happen, but we always just look at, you know, are we living according to our values and doing what we can to help that next person that is waiting in line to talk to us. And so as long as we're doing that, then we can, then we know we're headed in the right direction and, and we live what we preach. I think the other thing I'm really proud of is we've, we've created a company where we live by our values. I mean, we've, um, this is our second year on the Inc 5,000 list. I'm an Inc 500 founder. We've been awarded, you know, by Stevie awards and I'm not a big, like, oh, it's all about the awards. But what I'm saying is those aren't easy things to accomplish. Mm. And we're doing that without working 80 hours a week as a founder, 80 hours a week as an entrepreneurial organization or giving up time with our children. Like Scott and I homeschool, we've got, I got kids and dogs sitting outside that door waiting for me. They're like, mommy's on the podcast. Don't say anything, you know, <laughs> like they're waiting, you know? So yeah, it's yeah. not like I just have this, like. 80 hours a week to just spend my time however I want. Um, yeah. I think that's the other thing is I'm excited about as we continue to scale and grow, our company is breaking the mold of what company cultures can be and should be. I love that. Kate, if you could, so with our, for our listeners, um, could you, could you give us a little canary in the cold mine? Could you say, I'm curious to know and just uh, what are some of the tenants an, or approach that you take when people reach out to you? What, what, what are the, maybe what's the first thing that you first, the questions you're initially asking? Um, in terms of whether or not we can help them or in or, terms or kind of, of where, what, what, what point are people at when they reach out to you? So if someone's listening right now, they can say, Hmm, God, I've kind of had those kind of thoughts. Maybe, mm. maybe this is something I need to look into. Maybe I need, I need to pay attention here. What, what are some of the, maybe some of the initial signs or symptoms that people are approaching a, a, a place of burnout that, hey, we need to take a look at this now yeah. before we go any further. Is there is there something like that you can- There say? is, yeah, okay. that's a great question. Now I understand things. I think part of it is you're, something that used to bring you joy, like getting out of bed and going to work every day or whatever it is, playing with your kids or your dog or whatever is no longer bringing you joy. It's like, oh, mm. I gotta take the dog for a walk, damn dog, you know, or whatever, you know, oh, gotta go to work today. Oh. And you're not excited about the year ahead, the month ahead, the week ahead, the day ahead. That's a sign. We all go through periods of that or moments of that. I'm not, you know, not every day is joyful. There's days where I'm like, all right, come on, Kate, pull it together. But what I'm saying is you're starting to see that that's more of the norm. You're starting to think of things like, you know, 
I don't really need to be a company founder anymore. You know, I mean, it's been a good ride, hasn't it? I mean, we've done pretty good here and you start to sort of play down and like, I think it's time to go move to the islands and be a bomb. Or like when you start yep. to say those things and your okay. breast everyone else is like, you, you would never be happy doing that. No, like, because that's what happens is we start to have more of this apathy. And then what kind of happens after apathy is we start making reasons, excuses for why the apathy is okay and why we don't care anymore and why it's okay mm. to not care anymore. And then what happens is like me, all of a sudden I moved to the island and I was like, oh, I just gave up everything I cared about. Mm. And that's a lot harder to come back from than if you address it up front. Um, I think the other thing to, to really be aware of is, is, are you running away from something? Are you moving away from something? Or are you moving toward? Because one of the things I'm very careful in our message is my job and my my company's mission is not to keep people in corporate America or in any job. I mean, we or founders or whatever, like it's, are you living the, or do you, do you enjoy your career? And if that's something that you're really loving, but if you've always wanted to sail around the world and you've always wanted to go buy a yacht and sail around the world and you're like, gosh, this is the year, go do it, like mm -hmm. go do it. So if you're moving towards something, like you're moving towards this dream and this thing you've always wanted, and this is going to be great. I've always wanted to stay home with my kids and see what that's like, like do that. There's no shame or there's nothing wrong with closing shop, closing it down and saying, I'm taking a break and I don't want to do this anymore. Or are you running away from this thing you couldn't solve for? Because that's what I did. And I lost a couple million dollars. I lost a lot of time, I lost, yeah. you know, friendships. Like there's a lot of things I lost in that process that I would not, you know, want to do over. I mean, I guess you're always happy for whatever happened to you because it brought you to the place you are now, but right. It's just not what I would recommend. Mm, it's beautiful. How do you, how do you help people? Um, what's your format? Do you do one-on-one? -on -one? Do you do group coaching? Is it courses? Yeah. So originally, and this was part of the struggle Scott and I had is like, we have this philosophy that we want to train. So we could write a book or we could, you know, there's a lot of ways to get information to people that they could use. Um, but what we found is that if we just told people about it and just gave them the information, they didn't always fully utilize it. And that's why that Correct. coaching model came into being. So I was like, oh, if you actually have a coach to get you past like the fears and the stumbles and the falls that can get you to start using this information on a regular basis and start shifting transformationally. So it's a coaching model. Um, but we really say we have an ecosystem. So we have um, all the, all the training that you need to have the philosophy of how to live and behave in this way. Then we have coaches, but it's done in a group. And I found that to be so effective because, um, it's like, you know, you guys ever buy something online? What do you do? You know, you're going to buy, like, I was going to buy measuring cups the other day. Like, my God, Kate, you can't make a decision about measuring cups. And I go to the reviews, you know yes. what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. what is yeah. everyone else doing? Like we're, yeah. we're intended to be group creatures. And so yes. if I'm trying to, let's just say in corporate, go and have this conversation with my boss. And I'm like, I don't know, Kate, you don't know me. My job's different than everybody else. My boss is different than everybody else. And then, you know, the executive next to you or the, whatever the person next to you or the founder or the, whoever next to you says, yeah, but I just did that. And it worked out and it was all okay. I was scared too, but it worked. Okay. I can do it too. So we found that that group model has worked really, really well for us. So, because Great. it just empowers everyone to see what's possible. Cool. And then would they, do they go to good life Institute? Tell us a little bit about kind of what people like where to go and what kind of what to do first. If they yeah. want to well, you. we have, I mean, I always say you get to know us a little bit before you chat with us. So we have all sorts of assets. We have obviously good life, the good life institute.com is our website. Okay. Um, on there, there's training. I've done a full, if you want to look everything we do, like a 35 minute, you know, training masterclass, you can see what we do, the problems we solve. And also even that masterclass alone for some people are just like, okay, now I get it. Like that's all they mm -hmm. needed. So it has great content. We have a YouTube channel, um, with all sorts of videos. We have our own podcast called success without sacrifice. So I would start mm -hmm. there just to get to know us. And in some of the concepts, I think a lot of times people think, well, it's not for me because I'm not an executive or, you know, I just own a dry cleaners. Great. Let's own a dry cleaners and be happy and love yeah. what you do. Like, it doesn't matter to me whether you're a corporate executive, it matters to me that you want to retain your job and have a great life. Mm. Um, so I would start with some of those assets and get to know us because we don't teach time management. We're not going to show you how to manage your calendar, how to delegate and all those things that people think mm. are going to get you there. That's not what we do. We're actually teaching you human behavior and we're teaching you how humans operate and how you can start operating as a more aware human in an environment that's not very human for the most part. Mm. That's great. Love it.
Can't wait to check it out. Please uh, do. So I'm intrigued. So excited, Kate. About what so, you're doing. so Kate, I, I, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm really interested. What's it like being married to a philosopher? Do you, do you have <laughs> small talk? Do, do you, can you just turn on Netflix and right. watch something without analyzing it? Or is your life just a constant deep conversation day to day? It's a constant deep conversation. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> but it's a constant, like, there's no like, hey, what's for dinner? Like, it's always a thing. And we have a garage full of banker boxes of yellow notebooks that have like the ideas and the philosophy, like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's big conversation. I, I got to meet time. your husband. He sounds yeah. awesome. Oh my wow. God. He's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always get to be challenged by him every day. He's amazing. I love it. That's That's got to be amazing. Well, Kate, we want like you, you've been really generous. We do want to give you one more question that we love to ask our guests. And that is, it's the 62nd rant. Now you're, you're very Zen. You're very put together, right? Oh, you're not crying every day anymore, oh, but there's gotta be something that just gets in your craw and that this is the platform for you just to get that off your chest right now, your platform, anything. your Only mic. Measuring cups can be weak tea. Those measuring cups are boss. Okay. 60 seconds. <laughs> oh, I have so many, like, ugh, I could go on and on. Okay. I think one of the things that drives me crazy is our culture. I would say to everyone who's listening to this, like just challenge the status quo. Sorry, not sorry. I've been a trailblazer since I was three years old when some school teacher told me to sit down, shut up and color. And I'm like, no, I'm going to stand in color. I got the assignment done. You shut up. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm like, challenge the status quo. If you're not happy with your work, you can change it and go out there and get the resources and freaking invest in whatever you got to do. Like the other thing that I had to learn along the way, I grew up in a family where my father was like, why are you buying strawberries? green apples are cheaper. And I'm like, but they suck. Strawberries are great. You know? And so we have all this scarcity and we have all these, like, this is your life challenge, the status quo, look around. If something's not working for you, like that drives me crazy when someone's just like, Oh, this is the way it is. It's never the way it is. It's never the way it is. And I think, yeah, I think just like open, yeah, that just drives me crazy. Like open your mind to what is possible. And that just gives me joy to help people do that. But I just think it's so important as a world, we start like looking at how diverse we can actually live. There's no right or wrong way to do this. Right. So that would be my, that would be my rant. That would be well, my rant. That's Perfect. a great rant. Last Perfect. week, uh, Brandon and I, over the holidays, we, we, we interviewed each other. We were our own guests. <laughs> I heard. And, yes. uh, and the title of Brandon's episode was being feral in a world that demands tameness. That's like, that's Brandon's life philosophy. Good for you. And so, you know, Brandon's the guy that would tell the teacher to fuck off. No, I'm going to color standing up. That's, that's Brandon. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm not Catholic. I would have been hit in the head with a ruler by a nun. So I didn't <laughs> quite use those words, but you know. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm yeah. right there with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fun. <laughs> Thanks, guys. This has been a blast. Appreciate Thanks so you much, Kate. What a great time. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd, a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.